This is the Three Skeevers Podcast. All right, welcome to episode 47 of the Three Skeevers Podcast. I'm Icy with Icy Fire Gaming, and I co-host with Grim over at Grim Storage Gaming. And in this episode, we talk about our training with Art of War, CP versus no CP PvP, our thoughts on Plague Break being OP as hell, and we share some stories on guild management and leadership. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey, Icy, how's it going? How's uh, training been going with Art of War? Well, it was going great before the IC event, and this isn't really a surprise to me because after these PvP events, it's almost like Mardi Gras in a way where we've been partying so hard for a week or whatever, and then after that, it's just a desert. Nobody's here. Everybody's freaking dead on hangovers for the next couple days or weeks or whatever, so it's been it's been pretty quiet for me the last week or so, and also... Just because it comes with the nature of PvP healing, everybody and their mom wants the DPS, so the healers are naturally very, very rare to come by. So I do have my, you know, the three or four or five people that I talk to, but aside from that, nobody knew. So it's training's been pretty, pretty quiet the last uh, last week or so, which is fine by me though. But how about you, Grim? Uh, it's been going good. I've, I've actually got a couple people I'm steering towards you. They have multiple characters. And for us, we're going to focus on one, you know, whether it be like support, tank, DPS. And then if they want to go the healer route, then, you know, or even the support route, I send them your, your way. So I, I have two other ones that aren't on your radar yet. So. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. No, I like having more corpses. I mean, bodies to uh. teach how to heal. Yeah, it's been going good. Like, um, you know, I think a common theme with the people that I'm working with is like damage is very high uh, right now. And it's it's mostly, you know, they're talking about battlegrounds and like when they queue in for battlegrounds, there's just all this unavoidable damage, you know, between Plague Break and Dark Convergence and everything else. Um, there's a lot of really powerful stuff out there right now. And um it's just not a um, and it's a forced environment like forced um deathmatch environment whereas uh we were just having this conversation in guild a couple days ago uh with art of war but at least when they had the objectives it was a lower barrier of entry for for people plus uh build diversity too but lower barrier of entry and that I want a PvP, but I'm not good at it yet. I want to get tip my toes in the water, but not get too sweaty. And the objective-based PvP kind of helped that happen, right? Because there might only be one or two people out of the group um, or out of all, all the players that's just going sweaty and you know trying to rack up as many kills, and then the rest are playing the objective or maybe there's one team that's just treating as a death match but your team and the other team are playing the objectives so it's not as sweaty as all teams and all players trying to kill each other mm -hmm. so I've, I've noticed that um there are a lot of people looking forward to you know the objectives coming back and then i i will say i wish they just kept the cues separate where they had a death match solo deathmatch group and then they had a objective solo objective group and they just left it at that i would be perfectly fine because as you kind of mentioned a little bit we're gonna fall back into what it was before 
you know, we're going to have one team that just wants to deathmatch and the other two want to play the objectives. And then, you know, who's winning at that point? Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see, too, if there's a little bit of um, backlash or lingering effect from deathmatch only for however long it's been going. And when the objectives come back, do you think we're going to see more than normal uh, people just playing as deathmatch anyways? Do you think that's going to be a thing because we've been doing just deathmatch only for X amount of time? I don't know. All I know is that for the last, how long has it been? Six months at least, just deathmatch only? I've been loving it. I've been having a blast the whole time. No complaints from me at all. And then the one time I somehow wind up in a objective queue, I'm just like, what the hell? It's it kind of catches me by surprise because you know I'm usually dueling and the person that has the lead will will queue queue us up for the group random one and I didn't ask for that but I I I I I am not too sure honestly I, yeah I think people are gonna wind up doing deathmatch still anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least with the objective base, it'll give me a platform to put together a new build. Like, you know, here's a PvP tank, you know. Hmm. Um, but, and... but, but equally, again, this kind of just comes back to, you know, how I want the separate queues. So now you're going to, or people are going to wind up with, because there's there's obviously builds that are best designed for objectives, capture the flag, running the relic, and deathmatch. Three different builds to do three different types of things, sort of, uh, sort of speak. And I would much rather be a tank, knowing that I'm going to be guaranteed an objective one, than be in a deathmatch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because there's yeah. still uncertainty there with what what if I queue up for this BG? I don't know what I'm gonna get, so I got to be prepared for all these different queues that I, all these different BG um, battleground uh, PVP modes I might get, which is fine for me because I do go in prepared, right? I'm usually prepared for if there's a second healer or maybe a third healer in the group. I'm always prepared for those types of things, but for majority of the player base, ain't nobody in hell gonna be as prepared as me right to that level so it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be something all right you know i put something together on blackbeard he's a mag dk and it's a tanky setup and i wanted to take it into battleground so i actually put the build together for no cp uh cyrodiil because we've been running around out there and having a blast right no cp cyrodiil is where it's at um oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. you know without a doubt um and just a side note to reiterate that uh last night i went out to cp what black reach and i took kratos out there and joined a friend and we were running around and when you incorporate cp and you incorporate broken sets like dark convergence and plague break i don't know how you're ever going to balance this game (laughs) honestly you're not you're not ever going to balance the game and then we're doing this hybridization thing too that's going to maybe what they'll say is it's going to make make everything easier to balance but i don't know about that but 
anyways, I go out there just to kind of get a last taste of what it's like in CP Cyrodiil with those sets roaming free and CP and stuff like that. Super powerful. Um, everyone's running around out there right now. There's like these tower humpers that are trying to get their 1VX on and they will get kills from time to time, right? Um, against people that are not ready. You know, they don't have the right gear or whatever. They're not uh, mid-level, even mid-level PVPers, right? They're just kind of um, out there, you know, learning right now. And they'll get their 1VX against those people. And so I ran into a couple of those people, and so I just pursued them, and I felt their burst. And, you know, I would told you this story earlier, but we were running around chasing this guy around a tower, and um, everybody, he probably had five people chasing after him and they couldn't put enough damage into him and I just stood back and watched for a little bit and then I was like you know what I'm just going to go I don't have Kratos built for damage but I can kill people if that makes sense and um, so I throw my hat in the ring and I start chasing this guy around and I put some damage into him he turns around and he does his big combo and I might take 10% health you know I lose 10% of my health and this guy standing right to the left of me loses 70% of his health <laughs> you know just gets absolutely blown out of his <laughs> shoes and uh, that's the level you know those it's those people that are getting 1vx you know against the tower humpers so I chase this guy around for a little bit and he and I had our run-ins where we fought each other and he would try real hard and you know, I would just get my heels going and then put damage back into him. And I, we, I knew, I don't know if he knew, but I knew it was going absolutely nowhere. When you line up all your damage and your best punch and you're only doing 30% damage, you know, in those moments to somebody, you yourself are probably not going to kill that good player 1v1. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's the state of the game right now before hybridization. Imagine what it's going to look like when you give that guy that one extra ability that doesn't scale properly right now, right? But you he's going to make room for it on his bar because now it's too good to pass up because it scales perfectly, right, due to hybridization. And maybe that's resolving vigor or that's... It was um, um, Honor of the Dead from the Templar. Honor of the Dead. Oh, my gosh. Papa... Minburn, a buddy of ours, was like, dude, I got a 25k tooltip on my Honor of the Dead, on my Stampler. <laughs> 25k burst heal. And that's cut in half for PvP, but you'll get him down under 50% health, boom. One press of a button back to full. Congratulations. And trust me, it's hard enough getting him there, you know? So, I think what we're getting ready to see going into this new patch is um... A tank meta and it'll feel tanky because of the cross healing problem and the amount of heals and the new hybridization scaling and we might very well be running into tanky builds because damage is at an all-time high you know through CP and everything else like we we there's nobody can argue this we have the highest weapon and spell damage running around in the game that we've ever had before right now and they're getting ready to say whether it's a magicka or stamina heal it now scales with your highest offensive stat 
offensive stat and that's freaking scary that mm-hmm. is so scary and so i'm i'm retracting i'm pulling out a cp um i'll go into battlegrounds and uh you know i'll put some broken stuff together um when it comes to going to battlegrounds and stuff like that but and really battlegrounds aren't even that fun you heard me cussing up a storm yesterday in battlegrounds um you know i went I was on that tanky build and I went six four and thirty eight. Six four and thirty eight. That's a you lot know. of assists. <laughs> That's a lot of assists. I was in the, at over two million damage, you know, and my four deaths, out of the four deaths, two of them were an unbreakable werewolf howl. <laughs> it could not break free and they just killed me, you know. Full stun, no break free. So annoying. Um, but anyways, I don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith in the direction from a CP standpoint, right? We're getting balancing is going to be a major issue and I don't know that they're going to get around to it in a timely fashion. So, so I know in our previous podcast episodes, not recently, but over the last year or two years, I think at this point, we've had several discussions on hybridization on how not really me but you and our guests at the time would always be in favor of hybridization is this what you expected or wanted now that it's here Hmm. (laughs) it's kind of like those things I want this for Christmas I want this and then you've been talking about it for two years and your parents finally get it and you're like this uh, this isn't what I was thinking about yeah it's kind of like um, (laughs) you know it's like man I'd love to have a Ferrari you know and say you're you're wealthy grandparents are like we're gonna get you a ferrari and then you get it and it's like a ferrari pillow or (laughs) it's like a ferrari jacket what the heck or like a bed that's shaped like a car you know yeah yeah they got you a car bed right yeah so i don't know hybridization cool but extremely scary if done wrong like game breaking if Mm -hmm. done wrong and i think implementing it without scaling it is not um, I don't know and see I'm saying without scaling it who knows maybe they're like no we've put great thought into the scaling of this and it only makes sense but class diversity was really cool I think I liked where we were at with class diversity because when you're rolling up to someone you're like this is definitely a DK is it a mag DK or is it a stam DK right and then within that realm what are they running we know the meta type setup for each one of those but then there's little differences little nuances to that they can do um and so that added like great diversity in what you were running into now we're going to run into i really think it's a dk and they're going to be running meta or close to meta and it doesn't matter whether it's stamina or magicka meta will apply to the class as a whole you know and they could run a variance of abilities here or there but to run it optimally this is how people are going to run it will that stop me from running things optimally no but 
um, you know, there's a immense level of frustration that comes with that too, trying to play thematic and run off meta, right? You're willingly doing that to yourself, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess there's. I know for me personally, I always run off meta stuff because if I just ran Pariah, Transmutation, Spell Power Cure, Magma, like every single BG, like what what's the point of even making build videos at that point if I'm just running the same stuff on all my classes, right? That's why. Yeah. I, that's part of the reason why I deliberately don't do anything with those sets because. It's it's so boring. It's the same thing every other day, right? And I I know, I know people are like, oh, what what are, I was thinking about running, you know, magma and and this and spell power here and that. I'm like, yeah, go for it. Of course it's gonna work. I I, I don't even have to try it to know it's gonna work. But it, you know, just trying to just be a little bit different, I guess. You know, yeah. just because you know, yeah, the meta is the meta for a reason because it's technically like it's like the most optimal that like or the the best stuff at the time but you know the po whole point of trying stuff new is because some sometimes you can change the meta or influence the meta and change it because of your experimentation yeah you know another thing about that too is when we get rid of a defined magic side and a defined stamina side right and that class diversity like or playstyle diversity right that's a stam stamina character versus a mag mag dk they both played differently stam dk played differently than mag dk and that was cool and you would always you know some people just absolutely hated running into a mag dk some people absolutely hated running into a stam dk and now it's just going to be now somewhere in between you know the other thing is as soon as we started hybridizing classes and abilities and healing and armor sets now all of a sudden it really brings the meta to a pinpoint right like if i if you want to run the absolute most broken meta whatever right now you put plague break on for sure for sure and no one can argue that and you pair it with whatever else that's going to complement what you're trying to do and like I just did a video not too long ago where I just put the two most broken sets in the game together, Plague Break and Dark Convergence. And it just so happens that Plague Break procs Dark Convergence. I didn't even need to put a ground effect on my bar if I didn't want to. I just make sure that someone dies while they have Plague Break on them and the explosion from Plague Break is a ground effect that triggers Dark Convergence. <laughs> so. Yeah, that sounds ridiculous and I cannot... <laughs> confirm that and i know we were supposed to do the test real quick rim before we did the podcast but we can do it afterward because i do want to see this <laughs> yeah. if you yeah, say I what is true I, yeah. yeah i guarantee it works i already know for a fact i've already tested it you just want to see it with your own eyes but yeah because that's yeah. just ridiculous like if somebody just cleanses the plague break that's if if you put plague break on me and i just cleanse and that proc star convergence I, I don't even know what to say at that point that's the that's the problem with plague break right now you and i were having this conversation earlier plague break hands down is the most broken set in eso and um it takes the crown as the most broken set to date and and here's why if we compare plague break let's take its uh conception or its 
concept, whatever you want to call it. Its concept is, right, this is how you kill ball groups or zergs, right? This is to combat ball groups or zergs. Number one, it is silly to think that you will be able to release a set into the game with that function and not think that ball groups will use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ball groups in CP Cyrodiil, the, their front liners run around with that set using that set themselves and wiping anyone in their path. That's what you've done. They're, and so what you should not so what should have happened is we do not release a broken set into PvP environment to combat ball groups. You fix, fix the mechanics of the game to fix ball groups. And if that means we go from the 24 man groups down to the 12 and then down to the 6 man Maybe we only allow six-man groups, and we do not allow cross-healing. The only heals that that group, those six people get, are people that are within their group. If you're running around solo, the only heals you get are heals from yourself, right? And so what what's happening is these 12-man groups, ball groups are running around, built specifically with everyone doing cross-heals, and they're just stacking hots, and their front line's running plague break, and anyone dies in in their way, it's a lawnmower just cutting the grass as they cut through. That's what you've done. And so, but let's compare two armor sets that are supposed to be functioning on that same realm, right? Vicious oh, death. Or- real, real quick, Grim, um, about the group size reduction. So mm-hmm. I think, so what do you say to them? when they respond with we want to keep cross healing because not everybody can get a group and we want them to contribute some way no too bad you don't go to a you don't do an MMO a massive multiplayer online and go into a PvP environment and not jump into zone chat and say looking for group and just group up while you're running there and if you run solo you run solo, you know, like everyone can get in a group there. What'll happen is it will start. It will start training the, um, it, it'll move the way serial zone chat works and how grouping functions work. Right. And there will be people that don't mind leading a group and picking up people. And they'll even have a thing that they'll do in zone chat that just says, you know, um, we're currently four of six, you know, uh, Y up or X up or AO, you know, art of war, AOW, AOW for one of our last two spots in our six man group or however it works. That's what it'll end up doing for those people. Oh, so you're kind of saying that. But if they reduce the group size and they remove cross-healing, it's actually going to change the ecosystem in Cyrodiil PvP to the point where everybody that's participating in the ecosystem is kind of going to develop or adapt to some way and then develop their own system to deal with the changes that Zoss have introduced. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like that right there. And could we go out there you me and papa and just stay to a three-man group right and we could have a blast we could do just fine but when we start running into three groups of six that are running together side by side now they 
they can't necessarily cross heal each other. It's based on how good those individual groups are. But Yumi and Papa are still running into outnumbered situation. Mm -hmm. and we, we gotta be careful. But we actually have a chance to kill. You know, if one of those groups is short on healing or has a weak link, right? We could actually start making an impact or a dent in ball groups. And like you and I said, we're going out to no CP Cyrodiil right now and ball groups can die out there easily. Right? We're yeah. already seeing that. We yeah. already see that. They're not they're not invincible because they don't have the proc sets that they would normally have in Black Reach or Greyhost. Right. Right. You know, now that might change a little bit with hybridization and cross healing not being addressed and whatever else. So that will get a little tougher, maybe a lot. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. But mm. as of right now, yeah, we could go out there and we could kill ball groups. You know, they're not invincible. So I don't know. But that's what I see. Yeah, the ecosystem, that's a perfect um, thing. Like if you want to survive in a massive multiplayer online PvP environment, then you know, and their strength in numbers, and you're getting murked or killed, you know, trying to s s YOLO solo, <laughs> then, you know, you X up in zone and jump in a group, meet new people, kind of promotes that, that thing. And then there might be like, some people just like to play alone. Okay, well then go out there to Cyrodiil and play alone. Have fun. Yeah, no, know, or... no complaints from them. Yeah, solo queue for battlegrounds, you know, go to Imperial City and run solo, you know, but don't go to a Cyrodiil and not expect to not get run over, you know, so. So since we were just about to, I think you were going to compare Plague Break and Dark Convergence. So if they do change cross ceiling where they eliminate it and they reduce the group sizes from 12 to 6 in Cyrodiil, do we still need to make any changes to these proc sets like Plague Break and Dark Convergence? Or are they more, ma I don't want to say malleable, but are they more? Are they a little bit more acceptable to deal with with those changes? No, they, they still need addressed in my opinion. Here's why. Uh, compare um, Plague Break versus Vicious Death, right? They're supposed to have the same functionality. When someone dies, they blow up, right? But take Vicious Death as an example. Don't worry about the two, three, and four piece, okay? Just look at the five piece. And the five piece is maybe they explode for, you know, 20k damage, we'll say. Um, so a player character is going to take 10k damage before uh, resistances, right, are taken into effect. Four. And the way Vicious Death is successful is, A, you have to kill them, Right? you have to kill them in order you're wearing vicious death you have to kill them in order for them to blow up and there's no ramping effect to it it's actually you know lisa explodes uh does 10k damage to todd todd explodes and lisa explodes does 20k damage to kyle you know all three of them explode and almost kill the tank you know or whatever and that's how vicious death is dangerous, but you have to kill them. Mm -hmm. Now, and, and there's no status effects, there's no dot damage, there's no whatever, it's just boom, an explosion. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at Plague Break, just the five piece. I, I like the two, three, four piece on Plague Break better, and with hybridization, you literally can put it on 
anything, you know, so you can on Vicious Death as well. But with uh, Plague Break, Plague Break applies a status effect. This is, uh, um, it applies the poison status effect. And there are um, classes in the in the game like DK that benefit from this status effect or a sorcerer that uses force pulse or force pulse right and if you read force pulse you get the you know elemental damage at the top and then you get two targets that will receive 15k damage or whatever your tooltip says you know that are affected with a status effect okay well guess what there's a lot of people spamming AOEs, and you can almost guarantee in a CP scenario on Battlegrounds that everyone running around is running around with Plague Break right now, right? Everyone has COVID. So everyone's running around with Plague Break right and now. And we're demonetized. And we're demonetized. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, everyone's running around with, with Plague Break on right now, you know? And there's nothing that um, you just zap a force pulse on somebody and two other people are going to take that that huge tooltip or that big hit and so that's a problem it's got dot damage it apply it applies a status effect and it also has a ramping effect to it what is it 50 percent so when kyle blows up um and Lisa blow up, there's 50 from Kyle, an extra 50% from Kyle, 50% from Lisa, an extra 50%. And so the explosion gets stronger and stronger, you know, with everyone. And to further make things difficult with this set, healers cannot do half of their job, which is cleansing negative effects now. Wardens can't run Netch because they'll accidentally kill everyone in their group. You know, we no, uh, um, Templars can't use cleansing ritual um, willy-nilly. You know, you have to be smart with where and when you're using cleansing ritual. Somebody can't use the synergy of your cleansing ritual trying to activate the Nova and accidentally activates the cleansing ritual and <laughs> kills everyone in the group. So healers are killing their group. Uh, and... Another thing, if all of that wasn't enough, I don't even need to kill them. If they have Plague Break on them, I put Plague Break on them, and any one of my group kills them, they're going to blow up, and all that crap happens. <laughs> all that bad stuff happens, you know, from this set. That is broken. That's a broken set that needs to be adjusted and needs to be affixed. All right? Way too many. Why would you not, on everything you run in CP scenario, not run that? There's no reason not to, because even in a one-on-one, -on -one, you're still putting a status effect on him and you're putting dot pressure on him. And if I finally whittle Kyle down just as his buddy Jeff runs up, well, guess what, Jeff? Kyle's about to help me kill you, you know? And three different scenarios of that or three different stories of that, right? I see we were getting chased by that Zerg and we were trying to get, we gathered up all the mobs in the mm -hmm. one room and as the front three guys which were the most tanky and aggressive guys ran into the room we blew up all the mobs yeah <laughs> yep and, and then it was just the squishies and then we went through and killed you know the rest of the group we literally just gathered up the mobs and killed the mobs and the mobs killed the three tanky guys and then we ran into the hallway and killed the rest and um 
another story was we were chasing this guy that's running max speed and uh, a teabagger, and so we're we're not going to let him get away. And he accidentally runs to a portal, right? He, I think he thought that he was going to weave in and out of the mobs, and it was going to create like a line of sight for him. I just put noxious breath on everything, which applied plague break and then hit a spin to win and all the mobs blew up and killed the guy and we laughed all the way to the bank you know like, <laughs> <laughs> i was like what an idiot why would he do that you know like <laughs> so funny and uh, and i go back and i watch that video and it was like 12k 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 you know all those things exploding you don't survive that and um the last story was I'm on Kratos EP DK. I'm not too far outside AD base. I come into a room um, where there's mobs in there and I'm just farming Telvar looking for fights where and when I can. And four AD come onto the ledge um, right above me and they're, and they're going to drop, drop, uh, drop down. This isn't their front porch, like right outside their base, but this is like just near the, um, sky shard on ad side right and i'm down in this little circular room with a bunch of mobs running around there so i see these guys up there and they all start buffing up and i'm like okay well we're definitely going to be fighting and i don't know how many they are so i just gather up the mobs in the room all four of them drop down and i just spin to win and kill the mobs the mobs killed all four of them <laughs> i didn't even have to fight them i just gathered up the mobs and blew the mobs up and killed all four of the ad you know i'm like funny but broken <laughs> funny but broken like i should not that should not be a thing in pvp right mm -hmm. so, i don't know that's frustrating also another thing that's broken about plague break is we just talked about but the explosion is a ground effect and it triggers dark convergence and the way i found this out was um i just channeled a heavy attack with uh a uh, force pulse when I was doing build testing with um, Blackbeard, right? I did a ranged DK um, using force pulse and he was wearing Dark Convergence and Plague Break together. And so there was a regular mob out in the world. I did a heavy attack force pulse into it and just to see if it procced the additional damage modifier and it did, which I figured it would. And so I tested that a couple times, but every time that mob died, when it blew up, when Plague Break exploded, it triggered Dark Convergence and pulled everything in and started a chain reaction. And uh, so that's how I found out. And then I ran around in Battlegrounds, and you can see every time you kill somebody, it just triggers Dark Convergence, um, you know, because they have Plague Break on it and the explosion is a ground effect. But that's just way too much for an armor set. Um, in a game and you have if you want to be absolute meta you have to be running dark convergence or plague break right now you know dark convergence iffy it's super annoying um it's really annoying when like you don't probably pick up on this a lot because you're running um snow treaders right i see mm -hmm. but the snare the slow the pull and having a whole block every seven seconds or less than every seven seconds. That's part of Papa and my major complaint is CC immunity isn't working. 
and there are times where I'll get yanked from one dark convergence to the next dark convergence to, you know, when you're just getting yanked around the screen and, um, um, that's annoying. Oh, but. well, in terms of the CC immunity thing, I know I'm trying to remember from like months and months ago when dark convergence first came out, they said that when they were, when they were theory crafting the set itself in their PTS or, you know, in their developer studio, whatever you want to call it, that when they were testing it with CC immunity, nobody was ever getting pulled on it. So they decided not to make it a part of CC immunity. So you could theoretically still, yeah, get chained over and over again. Otherwise the set wouldn't work. Mm. Yeah, and see, that's the biggest frustration with the set is it does work that way, <laughs> you know. So where's the hot fix? You know, where's the hot fix to actually like, oh, our bad, you know, this is pulling people all over the place multiple times, you know. So I don't know, and there's a slow to it too, like to get out of it, which you wearing snow treaders, you wouldn't know, you know, feel that. Yeah, so. and I know even from my own experience, whenever I see Dark Convergence in BGs, because I play from, you know, right, we have the, the DPS brain and then, like, the healing, like, support brain, I'm, I can be in the thick of it, too, with them, but because I'm always on the def on the defense, right, it's a lot easier for me to react to a Dark Convergence comes out, so when it, normally whenever I see it, my reaction is quickly to hold block, for like a good yeah. one to two seconds and then i just walk out no problem right yeah. and that, you know no explosion nothing really kills me so but i see a lot of dps players they always get pulled in by it but it, it kind of makes sense to me because you're kind of focused on doing one thing and then you know this animation comes out on the floor and now you got to do something else but i mean yeah. I, I i understand why a lot of people get pulled in by it yeah yeah dark convergence is annoying but it's not it's it's annoying i would say it's a clear-cut number two mm -hmm. you know like annoying set in the game plague break hands down is the top most annoying broken set in the game oh yeah 100 percent. it almost yeah. feels sometimes even when i know it's coming i hold block it still does a chuck ton of damage anyway yeah yeah and, and... that more so has to do with block block mitigation not working right like you're clearly holding block and you still take a ton of damage yeah it's kind of crazy because even though i'm holding block i i'll still survive right where like you know you know because bgs are a team of uh 4v4v4 right three teams and you know my team and you know one of the other teams will get nuked but maybe me and one other guy will still be alive and i know why i'm alive because I was blocking the whole time. So I still take a ch chunk of damage, but I think it's just because so many people were exploding around me. But be luckily I was blocking that I was able to survive all those bursts of damage. Right. So it's not that block isn't working. It's just that there's just so much amplification from the plague carrier stuff happening that it almost, to me, feels like block doesn't work. Yeah, that could be. I, I know that block doesn't work from time to time, but I don't doubt that one bit, too. It's just, mm -hmm. like you were saying, damage is at an all-time high. Yeah, So especially when it's like, I can recover from burst, no problem, but then sometimes there's just moments where you just kind of blink and you're gone, and it's yeah. just like, come on, like what the heck is this? And then, of course, my tooltip is like, oh, 
plague break 25k 32k yeah and then really there's nothing you could do about it and it's just like well all right that's just part of the game i guess and then you just kind of remember the guy's name and just be on the lookout for <laughs> when it's going to happen the next time so. yeah speaking in 20k plus uh death recaps uh, did you see my Dreadcaller video from not too long ago? We're still having that problem in the battlegrounds where um, you take the element damage. Oh, was that the one where the guy did a javelin? Yeah, he did a javelin. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, my theory when you were telling me about it and I was speculating on what the reason was. And, yeah, so, yeah, same thing happened to me where if you're by the edge and then somebody knocks you back and you're and you would normally go off the edge you just kind of just instantly die instead so it skips that whole animation for you because it's like you're dead we're just gonna bypass the animation and just send you to the grave no problem so mm-hmm. in your particular case you were just at the perfect spot to to get knocked back the the least amount of possible where you would fall off yeah, so that, you're that, saying it didn't, that's what happened. What about the times where you take a take flight and you take the the elemental damage? Uh, well, in terms of the Dreadcaller video that you that you wanted me to watch, that was that that was the answer to that particular thing. It was just the it was just it was the Luke Skywalker, you know, shooting the missile into the Death Star, right? <laughs> Like yeah. they, that guy javelins you in the perfect spot and you were in the perfect spot. And, and unfortunately that that's why you died in that particular scenario. But um, to, to what you're saying, environmental damage, when you get leapt on, I have no response to that. You know, <laughs> environmental damage, when you get a comet hit on you, I have no response yeah. to that. I'm trying to think. No what? Comment. Yeah, uh, no comment. Um, <laughs> those are the those are the two most common things that I've seen where yeah. you instantly die from certain abilities. Is there any more? Uh, take flight. It seems to be the knock up one. So like take flight and like the knock up on the comment when it hits you. Sometimes. Yeah, those are definitely the the most apparent ones. But because I know the. Was it the Mad Tinkerer with the little skeever that knocks oh, you yeah. up? Does that do that? I'm, I've never seen anybody die from it. I know that for a fact. And I know I haven't killed anybody with Volcanic Rune doing that, to my knowledge, either. Yeah, yeah, same thing. So I think it's just those two abilities right there, Comet and the DK Leap. Okay, so we already know that DK Leap needs to be reworked in it, or, like, rewrote anyways, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah make it work but (laughs) all i know is i am holding out on the 2023 new dlc after the ascending tide when cyrodiil gets re um gets removed and we have a new pvp zone i'm already i'm already throwing all my 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 chips in that basket it's like wait what (laughs) wait what what What? (laughs) confirmation about yeah (laughs) Yeah, I think that's going to happen, too. Like, what what do they suspect the end of the three banner war is going to be? You know, it's Mm -hmm. what they say it is. It's the end of the three banner war. It's not going to be DC, AD and EP verse each other anymore in that same capacity. So, oh, yeah, no, Cyrodiil is it's 100 percent not going to be here. My my I guess what I'm curious about is because we have the achievement system, right? We have emperor, we have all those types of things. So, as much as I 
keep telling everybody that Cyrodiil will not be there anymore. It's going to be removed. People still need to get their achievements somehow. So I don't know if they're going to like maybe keep it there, but maybe rework some of the achievements. But then what about the people that already have it? Did they just waste the last seven, eight years of playing ESO to get their Emperor? And now that that particular system is gone. So what does it matter anymore? Right? Or like, what about me? I I still don't have Emperor. I, I really don't really care for it. But when let's this, get that for you, I see. Eh, it's it's just so much work. I'm not I'm not really too worried about it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but we can people together. But but if if this new PvP zone comes out, what's going to happen to Cyrodiil? Because they've already said that they need to rework everything. So I'm pretty sure they're going to make a new zone where we don't have to come back to Cyrodiil anymore to replace it. How do you think that affects uh, PvP guilds? Like, if if that happens. Do you think there's, like, a ripple effect? Like, PvP guilds function differently if there's a new PvP, or it's just a different form of PvP. It's like introducing, you know, um, horde mode or something, PvP horde mode or something. Well... I, I think they're still going to have the same elements of Cyrodiil with the sieging and things like that because a lot of people like it and stuff and we already have those systems in place. Unless they're really going to triple down on it and remove those elements and create something brand new, I can see it happening. And I would imagine those PvP guilds, they're just going to adapt, right? And you know there's going to be a quick rise to the top on who learns everything quickly and uh, prove to be the most dominant in this new era of whatever the new Cyrodiil is going to be. So what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it comes down like the inner function of each guild, you know, and how well they're functioning right now as a PVP guild, you know, they have events going and, you know, do the leadership get along with one another or if they don't get along with one another, can they at least eliminate their footprint on top of one another, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, Tyler and Kyle don't get along with one another, but individually they're both great leads, different in their own rights, but they're both great leads, so Tyler should make his best effort to run his own stuff, you know, and not uh, hinder Kyle and Kyle do the same and even though they don't necessarily get along that's all for the the common good I guess that's a that's a thing but yeah I, I know uh, at least when when we used to be in Northhold I wasn't really I know we we started in Cyrodiil a little bit but when I was running groups over there I only preferred to do sewer stuff so I would run my groups in sewers yeah yeah, and everything was hunky dory. You know, yeah. I, I put in my, uh, I, I, I would check in at the time and check out when I was done, and that was kind of it. You know, nobody. Uh, as long as you were running events, that's really all that mattered, right? Because you're showing activity within the guild, you're showing that people are here. You know, the leaders are, you know, uh, given you know, uh, FaceTime, right, with the the guild and the community, things like that. So, because I think yeah. the most important thing was that. It's not that we're all in Cyrodiil doing something with, with Northhold. It was just that we always have something going on. And I think that's kind of what matters mm -hmm. at the end of the day, right? That the guild is active in PvP. That, you know, 
that's a hard thing to juggle too, right? Because the recruiting aspect, then the calling aspect, right? Going through and getting rid of the, you know, the people that aren't actively participating. Oh, I love calling. It's so good. Just, just <laughs> kicking people out and stuff. Oh man. It's so, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's that famous line when, if anybody is familiar with minimalism, right? It's hard to throw away your own stuff, but it's a lot easier to throw away other people's stuff. So if you're looking to minimize and get rid of things, just have a friend come over and toss all your stuff out for you because that way you're not going to be so sentimental like, oh, I don't want to throw out this piece of paper because my grandma gave it to me and she died six years ago and this, this, and that. It's just like your friend's going to come over and be like, what's this garbage? And just toss it without even thinking twice about it. And then you'll, you'll forget and not have to worry about it. So You know what? You bring up a... A great point there. Maybe that's an answer for some guilds on their calling process, right? You have a third-party person that that's their job, and they have no sentimental connection with people. They just come in, and they real matter-of-fact, they look at the, you know, the attendance sheet, and they say, has not attended guild events. They look at Discord and interaction or involvement and they're like does not use discord or has not been in discord gone you know so it's kind of like or a fixer but what's the other word for a cleaner a cleaner yeah yeah cleaner yeah a roster assassin <laughs> making up stuff here <laughs> i mean i kind of like that job the roster assassin <laughs> they're like shh, shh, he's in the room he's here now uh, could he's you imagine having that on your resume the roster assassin like what the oh, yeah. like what the hell is this yeah you're specifically brought in to clean you know, out play. yeah like to yeah. to cut people from their jobs and stuff like that yeah you're the guy that delivers the pink slip <laughs> jesus christ yeah but I can see it. so all that stuff is like a full-time job right like recruiting calling and then um you know, uh, assimilating, I guess. I don't know what a better word would be. Assimilating kind of sounds very uh, Borg or <laughs> shows you my nerdiness. That's a Star Trek theme. But uh, yeah, that went right over my head. Yeah, yeah, we are Borg. <laughs> uh, but it's basically just uh, we are a robotic, you know, entity that all has one mindset. But um, oh, wait, wasn't that like in Futurama with those little green guys? Probably that they use that same, yeah, method, that same term or that oh, same. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah the the folks in Futurama, yeah, they they stole it from Star Trek. It, I would I would imagine then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, since Star Trek dates like eighteen uh, hundreds, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I but, think. Uh, I think. Um, Outlaw might have been in one of the episodes too. Outlaw, yeah. <laughs> Our older audience is like, "Hey, now." <laughs> so, but uh, you so you're juggling that, right? And there's like a front end and back end to running a guild, and then you have to have your guild leaders that are actually running the guild outings, and then the guild outings can go way sideways too. Like um, some people want a backseat or side side seat drive right and the guild leader or that guild um run whoever's running the outing it ends up having their vibrations are different than that person's other person's vibrations and then they create static right mm -hmm. or friction and uh, so that's always a tough thing and you know the 
person that's running the outing has to try and keep the peace too and if they feel like this person's just a bad apple one bad apple ruins a bunch then they need to message them remove them from the group and let them know why and you know hope that it doesn't carry over into guild chat and create guild drama otherwise they've just worked their way right out of the guild right you mm -hmm. gotta go you know like um so it's I... not easy but you need a bunch of leaders you need a bunch of people that can run the outings if if you're going to have a bunch of events otherwise one person's carrying it all on their shoulders yeah and i think it's safe to say that nobody likes backseat drivers like at all in any aspect whether it's gaming related whether it's real life related i i don't know anybody who likes backseat driving and i know whenever i am teaching teaching helping another healer out or you know learn something whatever i'll say okay share your screen you know we'll do you know i'll watch you do a bg whatever i know i'll tell them straight up i'm not going to backseat drive because i want to see what you're going to do on your own by yourself and then the next bg then i'll you know i'll be i'll backseat drive a little bit provide some guidance help you you know help uh, guide you in the right direction them you know make certain plays or whatever and then we'll see how you how you do in that perspective right but and and I know from my own experience, like when um whenever you're doing one on ones, Grim, I usually try to hop in just just so I can listen and 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 just see how it's going because, for me personally, I love learning. I love just trying to gather knowledge at all times possible. I know whenever you're teaching somebody, there's always a lot of knowledge to, to to learn from so when i hop in those sessions i just have myself muted the whole time and i'm just listening right it's just it's like as if i walk into a karate dojo or whatever and you're you're doing a session here and i just come in and i'm just watching right and like could you imagine i'm just like you you say something and i'm like actually grim that's not really how it works this this and that whatever and it's just like excuse me shut the hell up <laughs> you didn't pay for this session right this poor guy he's spending like you know a hundred dollars two hundred dollars a month for the karate lesson here and he's not paying for you to hear your nonsense so shut the hell up you know and like yeah. and like i understand that that's why whenever i do jump in a, like a private session i just keep my mouth shut and listen because i don't want to be that guy because i know if i'm in in that guy's position and I'm in a one-on-one -on -one learning from somebody, I don't want freaking Joe Schmo coming in here interrupting my lesson. Okay? I'm trying to learn here. This isn't this is my time with the professor, not your time. So get the hell out. Why am I getting triggered? This isn't even about me. <laughs> hey, you know that um that saying high tide raises all ships, I use that often, right? My favorite phrase. The high tide raises all ships applies to this scenario perfectly. Um, in that each trainer should be elevating each other to a new level or new status, right? Um, and giving them props where props are due. Um, and basically we're talking about tact and this is actually a guild killer. Um, the lack of tact is a, a absolute guild killer. And a lot of the friction that happens between trainers is because they lack tact and sometimes it's because they're youth they're they're young or immature or they don't they haven't been put in these scenarios and they think now's my moment to interject and say my piece and say that's not correct and here's why and 
that actually puts it does the the worst thing possible and it is it puts doubt into the consumer or into the guild members mind okay like here's my trainer i've been assigned with my trainer and then this other person says i disagree with the trainer and now all of a sudden there's a conflict here like i'm just here to get answers and you guys are arguing about this or you guys are going back and forth about that and so let's paint this scenario on how it actually i have this conversation all the time with gym owners right pre-covid when i'm traveling around i'm doing my consulting and there'll be a tr uh, the head MMA trainer is butting heads with the wrestling trainer, right? And they they both have the same goal, and that's for the person to win, right? Their client to win, but they both have a different way that they perceive it happening. So here's the scenario. The head trainer says, hey, look, um, we know that you're wrestling a superior to this upcoming matchup, and... Um, we can go there whenever we want. However, we want to stand and strike because there's a greater margin of victory between your striking and theirs. They are lacking in striking compared to yours, and that's where your victory will be, right? It's not that you cannot, that you don't have to go and wrestle with them and beat them. And then as the head trainer is explaining that to the client or the athlete, then the wrestling coach says, I disagree. I think that your wrestling is far superior than their wrestling and that you can beat them any day of the week in wrestling. And wrestling is going to be how you win. And that scenario should never happen. That right there shouldn't happen where the wrestling coach disagrees verbally and openly with the head coach. What should happen if I were the wrestling coach, I said I would say, yeah. And you know what? If you don't like the way striking's going at any point, we just go to wrestling. It's always going to be there for you, right? That's the win. That's mm -hmm. that wordsmithing. <laughs> I used that a little earlier ago, but the wordsmithing or the ability to use a little bit of tact, right? Oh, and remember, remember that one time I said verbal jujitsu. Verbal jujitsu, absolutely. And so, whenever you're in a guild um, training session or you're running a guild outing, if there's a side seat driver or a back seat driver or someone that interjects and says, I disagree with what you're saying, they're immediately in the wrong. Not because they disagree with you, everyone has their own right to their own opinion, but because they disagree with you in the open and it creates doubt and that's not the atmosphere that's like conducive of learning and so you need to eliminate that and so everybody has to be on the same page and just say i'm running this outing if you don't like the way i'm running this outing you're free to go in other outings or free to leave you know and it never fails but usually the person that is outspoken and states the problem or sa says i disagree if they had to be manually or physically removed from the scenario then all of a sudden they're going to go on social media or they're going to go into the guild chat and create drama and you know try and make a big deal about it and leave right mm -hmm. and try and taint the rest one bad apple ruins the bunch you know and they're going to try and taint the picture and it's like look we were all having a great 
class, a great training session, a great guild outing, a great whatever it was until you disagreed, <laughs> you know? So, and another scenario in the gym industry, um, which we run into this before is I would say, Hey, uh, I'm going to give you three different armbar escapes and three different armbar defenses. Okay. And you give all three of them to all three options to the person. So that way it's like, choose their own adventure. They can be exactly what they want to be. That one of those is going to work better than the others for them. Right. And it's not my place to say, do this one because this one works for me every time that's limiting them to your limitations. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so bad trainers do that a lot. Bad trainers will limit other people to their limitations. It's never worked for me. So therefore it'll never work for you. And that's not true. Our job is just to give them all options and let them explore which works best for them. And uh, those are the best coaches or the best trainers or the best, you know, both in game and in real world. So, um, and we talked about this before, right? Um, a good trainer is like a zookeeper and the zookeeper knows that how they handle the bear is very different than how they handle the tiger and very different than how they handle the snake. Each one of those animals has its own motivations, its own triggers, its own everything. And so the best trainers are zookeepers. They understand how to deal with every animal that within the zoo and how to, get the results they need you know mm -hmm. so we run into that all the time but lack of tact is an absolute guild killer you know um the ability not to either communicate effectively with each other as trainers or or remove your footprint from each other right you think you're, it's just you think it's like by yourself. you think it's like a lack of experience to some degree like it doesn't have to be within like running a guild, but maybe just like life experience or something, because I know, you know, I'm only 32 years old, so I've got some experience under my belt. Right. But at the same time, I, I have a lot of self-awareness and to, to know when it's appropriate to say something. Right. And if I was going to call somebody out, I think that would just because I have a grudge or something. Right. Like I'm deliberately trying to sabotage you in some way. But aside from that, I would just either DM you <laughs> like either during it. So it's just like private to you or something like that. Or I would just talk to you afterward about it. Right. Like, hey, you know, and oh, one example that comes to mind, you know, between me and you and Grim, I know. Um, I guess, you know, it was like maybe months ago or whatever, but whenever you would talk about CC immunity, I think you would always tell people six seconds and then it would kind of just like nudge at me or gnaw at me the whole time. Cause right. I know when it's, it's yeah, I know it's seven seconds. I'm like, it's right. seven seconds. Grim's he's saying six the whole time, but it's seven. And I think one time I was like, actually Grim. I, I think it's I think it's actually seven seconds, right? And the yeah. only reason I'm so particular about it is because when me and you were training, like two years ago, right? I made it a a point when I was running my CC build with the immobilizations and the stuns, right? It was count to four, count to seven, count to four, count to seven. So I would always be up on those things. So in, for this particular scenario, right? Because it's absolute knowledge that I know. And then when I hear somebody 
not that you're giving wrong information or anything like that. I, I mean, I guess you could say it's wrong information or something, right? Because it's seven, oh, it's not totally six. wrong. But, yeah. But, but here's the thing about it. Um, I know where you're coming from in that correction in that moment. And there's a quote, a famous quote. It says, do not correct a fool or he will hate you. Correct a wise man and he will appreciate you. I appreciate you for for that correction. You know, like I even know it's seven seconds, but I'm saying six seconds all the time. And who knows how many people I've ruined their day because they're like, my CC immunity is supposed to be up right now because Grim said it's only six seconds, you know, or mm. whatever, but who cares? You know, like, <laughs> I appreciate that. And so that's not, that doesn't bother me. The only time things ever bother me is like when we say, hey, here's your road to victory and here's why. And then someone says, I disagree. And it's fine. They can disagree, but that's a conversation that needs to happen behind closed doors separately so that can be every it's not that me as a head coach it's not that i can't be persuaded otherwise if the wrestling coach and the jujitsu coach and the whoever came to me and said here's my experiences with this person and i think our road to victory and they're all on the same page then i'll go back and look at it again and we'll we might go with the consensus you know what mm -hmm. everybody says like you know what you guys are right um ultimately though as a head coach or as the, as the guild leader you know it comes down to they need to make whatever call they think is best and then whatever call they make the uh raid leads or the trainers they all need to fall in line mm -hmm. and if they don't fall in line then there's a problem so you yeah. know and that's just the way that has to be so I just had an idea, right? So you know like with the gym situation, how right now you're kind of in the mix of it all and you want to get to a point where you have like your officers running the gym and then you could step away and just kind of relax and then you know work on the next big project, right? You think how maybe like, you know, tying it back to ESO, like as a guild leader, maybe the, you know, the guild leader wants to do the same, right? Where you are, yeah, you're running your events, you know, on a weekly basis, maybe several times a week, whatever. But then you kind of want to eventually step away from that and just do more higher level managing with the officers instead. You think that would those concepts would kind of translate over and still work? 100%. 100%. As a business owner or as a guild leader, your job is to duplicate yourself you can't carry the burden there there's no quicker way to choke the life out of your business or choke the life out of your guild than to micromanage every aspect of it mm -hmm. that's proven time and time again right so also as we get older we start entering the season of our life where it's important for us to start um duplicating ourselves when we want to grow and scale our business like I want to open multiple locations of our gym and we are opening multiple locations currently I cannot tie myself to the mat even though the mat is where I like to be I like to be out there and training the athletes and working with the families and working with the kids and I like that aspect that that um, appeals to me right everybody's like I love 
you know, Grim is a trainer and, you know, he, he's awesome and high fives and smiles all around and everyone's losing weight and everyone's learning how to box and kickbox and MMA and jujitsu and all this. That is where my heart and enjoyment is at, but I need to change that a little bit and not make it on the mat. I need to actually spread that across multiple locations and train the trainers to um, provide that same service. And I need to create the systems for each one of those locations to be successful. And as a guild leader, that should be your job as well. Don't tie yourself to every single run unless you're just um, secret boss or whatever. What, what's that series called where you're... Um, you're the you actually own the company and then you're just coming in going through the hiring process and the training process to see like checks and balances and i, the, I don't i don't want to say undercover boss but like undercover a cover boss maybe that's it yeah maybe, like a secret shopper as well yeah yeah you know that's your role that's your role and if you want to run a class or do personals or do whatever you could do that like but create a system and duplicate yourself so that means that you you know you should be training trainers or training guild leader or guild um raid leads you know to your standard and and then uh just let them work don't micromanage them let them go to work you know and and you're looking for a particular quality of you know, what are those qualities like, um, their demeanor, the, how they handle stress is an important thing, how they handle that moment where someone disagrees and they need to remove someone, how they handle duress, you know, that's super important. Um, you know, because in the gym industry, we could have somebody that's just awesome with kids, awesome with parents, awesome with everyone, and you get the one Karen <laughs> you know you get the Karen that demands a refund and starts yelling and shouting or whatever right and say that one trainer that has been exemplary up until that point loses their shit you know and they just start trying to fight Karen or trying to like they have a shouting match and then they create this huge scene this huge drama or whatever and you some, know somebody's in a headlock before you know it somebody's yeah and so and the police are called now the police are sitting out in front of your facility or whatever and or in eso world you know this drama carries over to guild and then four or five other people are chiming in and now next thing you know three people leave guild right this is the chain reaction that happens and how guilds die right mm -hmm. is things like this and then a raid lead leaves and another raid lead leaves and then somebody that thought that they were better than everyone else and what are they even doing here well this is the straw that broke the camel's back and then they leave and you know it ends up just being an absolute train wreck and mm -hmm. and icy's doing the pepe eating popcorn emote oh yeah yeah yep i love those totally pepe yeah no i love those pepe emotes they're so good i totally picture you using that emote oh that i totally scenario. would I totally would yeah, I, I do yeah. them at work too. Like, somebody will say something, and then I'll just do like the like the thinking, like put your hand on your chin, like, huh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We see that stuff kill guilds all the time. So it's just a tact, and communication needs to happen. And if you just think there's too much of a character 
difference characteristics or mannerisms difference um, between the two like it'll fall on the guild leader to decide does this person have the best interest of the people that run with them yes or no and if yes you know is there an ulterior motive like are they just trying to recruit people to like them and th those people will go wherever they go um, then that might be a problem you know and maybe you want to limit their exposure to everybody. Um, in the gym industry, this happens a lot. People don't get attached to the facility, right? Where they're learning boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu, judo, whatever. They get attached to their trainer. And if your, you know, MMA trainer leaves and goes somewhere else, well, the whole MMA team is sitting here going like, I trust this dude with my career. I trust this dude with my hours and hours of, with my body, right? Like my well-being, my career, my time, my everything, my mo most valuable asset, where they go, I go. And the same thing happens with your raid leads. You have to trust that the raid leads are actually dedicated and loyal to the guild. And they're not just operating within the guild recruiting for themselves right so that's rough yeah that kind of reminds me back in 2000 maybe 2005 2006 something like that over at one of the barbershops i used to go to i think it was called like jan's palace slovakian guy nice guy and so it was him and one of the local guys i think his name was Brian, I want to say something weird like that. And so one day, Brian just disappears. And so Jan, he's talking to me and my father, and he's like, yeah, no, um, you know, he, you know, Jan was pretty pissed because Brian, he up and left, took all his things and bought a place, um, you know, like five, ten minutes away and started up his own barbershop, right? And so Jan was yeah. really upset because, you know, he brought him in, he taught him everything, like taught him all about the business and stuff. And then he kind of, uh, you know, uh, the kid kind of turns his, um, kind of like, I guess, betrays him in a way, right? Stabs him in the back by opening up a competing business. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, me and my dad, we like Brian. Brian always cut my hair, right? So that was unfortunately the last time we went to Jan and then we just wound up just going to Brian's place the whole time because, you know, we were really cool with Brian, very nice guy to us and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say, I mean, this was, this is like a 15 year old story at this point, but Brian cut my hair better. Right. <laughs> so, you know, same, same thing that you're saying, Grim, you know, we stick with the trainers. I, we followed him over there. And then, you know, my, we've been going to him for like over like 10 years or whatever, back when I was still living over there. So, uh, yeah. And I don't yeah. think he meant anything like malice about it, but I think he, Brian's perspective was that he could, he could make more money if he started his own business, right? Just because, you know, being a, an employee is one thing, but being an owner is another. So, yeah, that's one of the things. Um, so in the gym industry, you have to make sure with your trainers that your trainers are taken care of and um, that they're treated well and they get everything that they need to be successful. And you also have to have uh, a conversation with them so that they understand the uh, risk and reward and the overhead. Um, you as the gym owner all of the risk and all of the overhead that you're taking on to give them that place to 
excel in. They need to understand that because a lot of people will, trainers will look at it and they'll say, well, I'm only making X amount for my personals or I'm only making X amount per membership uh, per person or whatever their pay arrangement is. And if I own my own place, I'd make it all. But they don't take into account the overhead and the startup cost and everything to start their own thing. Mm -hmm. Same with ESO and starting your own guild. You have the guild leader that's taking on the recruiting, the calling, the um, acclimating people, the um, schedule to get trainers lined up, the training of trainers to make sure that the product that's being presented to the, you know, customer or the guildy, you know, new prospect is, you know, acceptable and there's a lot of uh, hours that go into that and mm -hmm. a lot of time and effort and sometimes miss sleep and stuff. And so you always have to point that out to like trainers and let them know, you know, hey, if you want to ever go your own route, I want to help you do that. Yeah. I want you to stay here, but if you ever want to go your own route, I want to sit down with you and look at the numbers and make sure that you're it that you understand fully what you're doing because it'll make you appreciate even more what you have here. Right. I know I know what you have here and if and maybe you don't and I want to show you that, you know. And if we were to sit down and we were to look at the numbers and it looked and it was doable, say they'd been saving and set money aside or they put a pitch deck together and they got investors on board or whatever it is and it was doable for them, I want to help. I want to be involved. Let me help you. You know, we're obviously we run something successful here and you want to run your own successful thing. Use our systems that we've implemented, you know, to, to do that. And so that's another thing with the with Art of War, uh, why last week or whenever I brought it up, he, if Art gets to a point where he is operating this first guild uh, very well, and maybe he's almost acting like an absentee owner mm -hmm. in the business world where he doesn't have to run the, the guild outings, he doesn't have to handle the recruiting and the calling and the everything else. And he's just the guild leader that is there to answer questions and direct people, direct traffic. That's an ideal situation for him. Um, once he can get to that point, then there might be an option to open a second guild and he could create the guild and create the same systems and now all of a sudden art of war goes from 500 to a thousand members since art of war one art of war two mm -hmm. you know and i was joking he was like heck no you know and i was like i would be all for that though because of the atmosphere that they're creating um that's very conducive of learning friendly atmosphere and for all levels like it's a very low barrier of entry you know you want to learn about pvping that's the barrier of entry <laughs> so mm -hmm. the lowest bar so that's something yeah that exists in the business world and in you know guild world and then there's been other guild members guilds that we've worked with and they weren't able to ever get that systems in place you know and it uh, ultimately was kind of their undoing because of the the weight that that comes with juggling all of that so and i realize this in the business world um 
when I run into a gym owner and they might be a second degree black belt and I ask them, what do you want to do? And they say, I want to franchise my gym. I want to have my name over a hundred buildings or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, well, who are you going to get to run your classes? Oh, no, no, no. Like people love me because I'm, and I'm like, well, how are you going to open a hundred gyms and be the guy on the mat at a hundred gyms? You need to think about this. Your job right now is to do duplicate yourself and create the systems for those individuals to be successful. So, yeah. No, that makes uh, makes sense to me. And the idea, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work running a guild and I can't even imagine the thought of, you know, say we hit, we hit max capacity and then we open up a second one, right? Like that's, it's very daunting. And I know we've spoke about it in the past, maybe like two years ago before we created the Imperial Sewer Council back in the day. That, yeah, let's make our own guild and whatever. And, you know, uh, I know you were on borrowed time back then because, you know, we didn't know what the situation was with the gym and everything. And it, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. And actually, now that I think about it, back when Blood was playing, uh, playing ESO and running Northhold and stuff, he only ran one event. You know, he was the guild leader, but he only ran one event, and that was on Saturdays, I I think. I think. Just the Cyrilo runs for like two, three hours Saturday nights in Blackreach. And, you know, Sunday through Friday, it was all the responsibility of the officers to keep the, to keep the guild afloat so that yeah. people see that there's activity going on at all times, every day. Yeah. And that's what and mattered. Yeah. You know what that did too? That really brought a level of prestige when blood's running and calling the shots. Right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, blood was like, I'm leading Saturdays because I'm going to march us into victory. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. It was really epic too. Every single time. And he even did those custom messages or, um, uh, What's the phrase? Like a synopsis. Like a, of... Yeah, the synopsis of the night, like what happened and all these different things. And he had like a ranking system and kept tallies on everybody. It was really cool. He had a, he had, he had a really nice system he over did. there. It I was really awesome. Too. Like, yeah. wasn't it amazing? Like, uh, he, he did it a little RP uh, role play-ish, yeah. like, too, right? We marched onto the battlefield and put our boots on you know dc's throats they thought that they could fight back you know early in the night we showed them different ad you know tried to push us up into the north we were backed all the way to our backs to the wall and then we rallied together and we fought you know our tails off and like and we'll just, always remember the chalamo or something like that yeah, <laughs> that, that right there you know like he summarizes it all into this amazing uh exactly how the night unfolded in in uh cyrodiil so yeah did you know he actually writes i wouldn't doubt it for a second i thought those were beautiful yeah no <laughs> he he had like a secret a secret hidden text channel that only some people had access to i was one of them because i had found out through me and him converse, conversing that he writes 
fantasy, like, um, like you know, not anything fancy. He's not like J.K. Rowling or anything like that, but just, you know, his own little private stuff based on the Ebonheart pack and his character and all these different things. He just writes, you know, small short stories and all those things. What the heck? I did not know this. Boy, yeah. if you're listening, you're holding out on me, man. I need this. <laughs> I need this in my life. Yeah, it was really cool. He even had, like, drawings and stuff all up in the in the text channel there, hidden in the North Old Discord. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Darn I believe it, though, because those were masterful. So. Oh, yeah. And um, I guess last point before we wrap up here, the the one other thing that he did was we had weekly meetings with the officers, and he'd always start the meeting with, Icy, how are you doing mentally? I'm like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Maro, how are you doing mentally, right? You know, he always do a mental check with us to just see how we're doing, like, with the game, you know, do we still want to play? Do, you know, how are we feeling with this and that? What are we thoughts, whatever? And then we'll address like, you know, uh, you know, weekly topical things that come up within the guild that, you know, we should discuss or put our foot down on something, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, he had a great system. I, I enjoyed it when I was an officer back over there. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting story. Uh, <laughs> did you know how Blood and I met and how we got involved with Northhold? I'm trying to remember because I know that it was in the sewers on EP side and was he lost? And yeah, I was on Witcher. I was getting ready to take Witcher out to test a build and Witcher hit really hard around that time frame and super durable. And um, <laughs> just like everybody, you know, you either see it in zone chat. How do I get out of this place? Right. You're down in the Imperial city sewers mm-hmm. and in base and as sure as can be, someone's always like, how do, how the hell do I get out of here? Well, so I'm always keeping an eye for zone chat, right. To pick up the stragglers or help the people. You always give me <laughs> slack for, you know, just grabbing and meeting new people. And well, yeah. What does, what does Papa say? Oh, Grim found another stray. <laughs> Yeah. Not insulting anybody, but, you know, Papa said it, not me. <laughs> right, right. But uh, so I'm always keeping an eye to that, and I'm watching for people that are just kind of milling about aimlessly, you know. <laughs> and, and Blood was on his character, never seen him before down there. And he's opening up his map, and then he closes his map, and then he opens up his map, and then he walks like four steps, and then he opens up his map, and then he closes his map. And I'm like looking at him, I'm like, this guy's lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I message him, and I was like, hey, did you need help? And he's like, what? <laughs> you know? And I was like, did you need help? What do you, What's going on? And he's like, no, I'm just going to run sewers for a little bit. And I was like, cool, I'm getting ready to test a build for the channel um did you want to go and he's like yeah can i bring some people well it turns out the reason he was opening his map was he was trying to get the guildies from Northhold to join and he was messaging people and he was also keeping track of what was going on up in the districts to decide whether he was going to go in the sewers or up to the districts like where the fights were at right oh, and okay Northhold is a bunch of you know bloodthirsty heathens right they would appreciate me saying that by the way um that's not a, uh, a slander or anything like that at all that those guys love to fight and uh so anyways um blood jumps into the group and like a, maybe one other person two other people and we're going and things are just getting blown up you know witcher build hit super hard back then um between the blast bones and everything just hitting all at once 
And uh, so he was like, you know, Jesus, <laughs> what are you running? You know, and I was like, yeah, it's a, a bow. I think it was bow, bow, you know, stam crow. And he was like, what the heck? And I was like, yeah, man, it, it hits hard. And then he's like, I'm going to get some more guildies in here. And like, I'd like a couple of my guys to start running that. And I'm like, yeah, it's really stupid damage. And it lines up really well. And he's like, yeah, it does. And then I was going to the middle. I was going to pull, you know how I do the build tests? Yeah, pulling all three banners. I pull all three banners and fighting three, you know, banners all at once. And so I told him, hey, I'm going to do that. And, you know, some of the guys struggled a little bit because they're like, holy crap, that's a lot of damage, you know. And I was just kind of weaving in and out, fighting everything or whatever. And later, that's what he said. Like, we, we weren't in voice chat until later. And he was like, I'm not going to lie when you said, you know, when you said that you were testing a build for the channel, I thought, oh, here we go. Here's a, you know, the next greatest YouTube content creator, or, you know, the next one VXer, you know, doing something. He's like, but that build is freaking gross and, you know, unorthodox, like not meta. And I was like, yeah, most of my builds are that. And we just started talking. And then that's when the whole, you know, hey, like training some people and, everything kind of started unfolding with Northhold. It was really cool. And I was really impressed with Blood 2, by the way, with all all the systems that he had in place for Northhold. It was pretty impressive. He did a great job there. Oh, uh, okay. Now it all comes full circle. Because I, I think yeah. from when you told me back then, it was a, uh, like just a quick, quick yeah, one-minute thing. Yeah, the condensed version. Yeah, yeah, super condensed version. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So I think we're at an hour and a half of this particular episode. Do you have any final words, Grim, before we close out? Nope. I see coffee down there in the audience. Hi, coffee. How's it going? We can't hear you, but I see you down there, buddy. Acknowledged. <laughs> okay, so that is the end of this episode. As always, we have an audio version that you can find on Anchor. You can check out a link there in the description below and of course we have a discord where you can find us and hang out with us and do we put a link to the art of war discord as well grim if people want to join up um yes you know what i need to double check that i actually put that on the art of war <laughs> podcast in the descriptions i think i did no okay problem. cool if not it'll be in the description for this one yeah perfect so with that said We'll catch you guys next week or whenever we decide to do another one. See ya. Bye. You're going to say bye-bye, Argonians. Bye-bye, Argonians.